Chapter Forty One of Marion, the Story of an Artist's Model, by Winifred Eaton. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by James K. White, Chula Vista. Chapter Forty One. I had had a furious letter from Reggie the day after I arrived in New York, and we had been quarrelling by letter ever since. He accused me of deliberately leaving Boston when I knew that he was coming, and he said, It was a low-down trick, and I shall never forgive you. In his anger he also wrote that perhaps the reason for my leaving was that I knew that he would find out the kind of life I had been living there. He wrote, I met a few of your friends, a low-down bartender and a store clerk, poor Billy Boyd's roommate, I suppose and let me compliment you on your choice of associates. Your tastes certainly have not changed. I did not answer that first letter, but he wrote me another, apologizing, and at the same time insinuating things. To that second letter I did reply, hotly, and so it went on between us. After leaving Lil's I found a little room on 15th Street near 8th Avenue. It was cheap and fairly comfortable and I soon got settled there. Then I started out to look up some artists whose addresses had been sent to me by the Boston men. Right away I secured several engagements. I found, moreover, that my room was only a couple of blocks from what the artists called Parisis Row on 14th Street. Here many artists occupied the upper floors, which had been turned into studios in these buildings, once the pretentious homes of the mighty rich people. On the lower floors, various businesses were carried on. I was sent to a man who had a studio in Parisis Row. He was a friend of Mr. Sands, and although he did not use models, he said he would try and help me get work. He explained to me his own kind of painting as old master potboilers. Sometimes, he said, he got a rush of orders for old masters, and then a number of fellows would get busy working on them. He declared humorously that he ran an old master factory. As I looked at his work, I felt sure I could do that kind of painting, and I said, Mr. Mena, would you let me try it too? And I told him about the work I had done for the Count and about my father, and he exclaimed, Fine, you're just the girl I'm looking for. So I went to work for Mr. Mena, part of the day. I would paint in most of the start, and he would finish the pictures up, clean them up and draw them together, as he would say. We were able this way to turn out many old masters. We worked for the dealers and frame-makers, who, in order to sell a frame, put these hastily made oil paintings in and sent them out as genuine imported paintings. Mr. Mena and I became fast friends. He treated me just like another fellow, and divided the profits with a generous hand. Besides helping him to paint, I acted as his agent. I would go downtown and see the dealers, take orders, and sometimes sell to them the ones we made on speculation. I found out many things in the picture business that I had never dreamed possible, but that is another story. At times, too, I posed for Mr. Mena. He would take spells when he became disgusted with his potboilers and would say he intended to do some real stuff. 
these spells never lasted long for he would run short of money and would start with renewed energy on the painting business as he disgustedly called it he discovered that i was very good at copying but he discouraged my doing it he said there's mighty little money in copying unless you pass it off as the original and although the dealers do it and i paint for them i'm dashed if i'll actually sell them myself as original it's not honest but mr mena i argued isn't it also dishonest for us to do the copying and let the dealers pass it off and sell it as original maybe it is he admitted but we don't see them selling them to the suckers who buy them and damn it all we certainly don't get the price so what the hell mr mena had raised his voice and immediately we heard what the hell what the hell what the hell do we care do we care do we care the noise came from the studio across the hall it's that bunch of fellows at fisher's said mena grinning they get together and all chip in to pay for a model say how would you like to pose for them most of them are illustrators and they'd want you in street clothes and things like that you can make an extra dollar or two go up and see bonat he generally engages the model for the other fellows you've met fisher here he's that little red-haired chap talk to him about it too now i'm off for lunch and a glass of beer come along if you like asco i went along with mena we ate in a little restaurant at the back of a saloon corner of eighth avenue and fourteenth street the lunch costs twenty-five cents each mena did not eat much but he drank four glasses of beer and he got cross with me when i at first refused to drink so to please him i had a glass he said now you're a good sport and the beer will make you fat it's not my ambition to be fat i laughed back get out he answered did you hear that german fellow who was in the studio the other day when miss fleming miss fleming was mr mena's girl asked him how he liked the american ladies he said with a sad shake of his head they are too thin the german women's have the proportions and he curved his hands in front of his chest as he said it is one treat to look at her mena laughed heartily you're a german yourself i said not on your life i'm not denied mena vigorously i'm an american even my folks were born here i studied in mention that's the place he shook his head and sighed we got up to go and mena told me to hustle downtown and see a dealer End of chapter 41 Recording by James K. White, Chula Vista